You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Emswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to be joined by Don Chavez from the Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates in Santa Fe. Don, welcome. Thank you, Rabbi. So, Don, you're a licensed independent social worker who's been a pastoral minister in northern New Mexico for over 10 years. What does that mean? Well, I was, I was ordained as a Roman Catholic priest uh, about 27 years ago. I served actively for 10 years and then left active ministry, and I've been working as a psychotherapist uh, f- for about 17 years. So, so I have a religious faith background, and uh, my work is working individually with people on a daily basis. And is there what's, – what's the connection between those two paths, life paths, I guess? Or mm-hmm. I was going to say professions, but they're not really professions, are they? Th- those choices that you've made, what's the connection there? Well, they're, they're pretty consistent in that um, um, the psychotherapy piece, there's a set of tools that, that one uses, and, um, and, and they're fairly well-known. The, the spirituality piece, there's a second set of tools, and, and those are known to, to ministers and rabbis and, and people that, that work primarily in faith traditions. So, um, so they, they, they converge because, because often the, the struggles that we have in life come down to the God questions. The why God questions. That's a great, a great thing, a great question. It's and it's an honest question, mm-hmm. and we're there a lot. And um, and and psychology um, is pretty good at at uh, giving um, labels t- to to different things. There's depression, or there's anxiety, or there's you know those kinds of things, and and they. Psychology deals with them as best as it can, but uh, sometimes it doesn't go into the the direction of of uh, faith and beliefs. Um, sometimes not as profoundly as religion and faith traditions do. It's fascinating for me because often on soul searching we talk about spirituality, we talk about meaning. We sometimes don't talk about God, the the word God or the mm-hmm. personal being God. Mm-hmm. And I often find that God talk can be very revealing in terms of our underlying assumptions about life itself. So as a Roman Catholic and as a pastoral minister, I guess the obvious question of following on from what you're saying is who is God to you? That's a that's a great question and it it's a stumping question, but I, I think God is personal. And present, sometimes, and God is distant and unresponsive, sometimes, and and the 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 and and my challenge is to ride through those rough times 
that when when God is distant and, and unresponsive, and and I you know I'm just just amazed. There's a story about um, uh, Teresa of Calcutta, mm-hmm. where that that she felt God's absence for much of her life, and um, and wow. You know, I mean, how does a person keep on doing the hard work, you know, and feeling that absence? And, and it's like, wow, profound. I mean, how, how mm. a person does that. And, and I'm glad that I haven't had to deal with that. I, I you know, uh, I. In Judaism, we have a, a concept known as Hester Panim, which means the hiding of the face. And it's particularly brought out after the destruction of the temple uh, about 2,000 years ago by the Romans um, in that God is no longer totally present um, and it's harder for us to encounter God. But for me, that's different when you're saying that God is sometimes present and sometimes not. That makes God unreliable, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, what does that mean for us? I mean, what does that mean for us theologically speaking? If we, if you know, well, it's it's a it's a thing of uh, God is unreliable and or and 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 isn't so that that so God is there. We don't see God. Uh, we we feel awful. We feel insecure. We feel afraid. We feel um, all those those negative emotions. And and God's there in that as well, and again the the riding through the the rough part, and and sometimes we have to remind ourselves, oh well, you know, God has not abandoned me, or God has been faithful, or God has brought me through a lot of hard times, or I've I've you know I've gotten through it with God's help, and and we we have to go back to that security when at the present time we're just feeling bad, but then. When I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling bad, I hope to be able to turn to my friends and say, I need support. But if I'm feeling, uh, if I'm going through a difficult time and I turn to God and there is silence because God is, has chosen to be absent or God is difficult to be seen at that point, why should I have a relationship with God if I can't rely on God in difficult times? What else do you have? I mean, you know, we, we, go, we go to that place then. I mean, because, I mean, I think, you know, there's that piece of does everybody need God? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wonder about that. And I, and I think, well, you know, I, I think if things are going well and we have the world by the tail, you know, maybe we don't need God. And I've never run into anybody who had that forever. Right. Um, so, so then, then we, you know, uh, if, if we have good friends and, and, and a good mate and good people, good relationships, good parents, um, then we know we don't need a therapist often. Okay. But, but I guess this comes down to a perspective, a theological perspective that many people hold. And I guess, which comes from a Hellenic perspective of God being perfect. Um, and if God is perfect, then what does that mean for God to be unreliable? So does that mean that God isn't perfect? Um, and I appreciate I'm starting this question with 
uh, a very clear theological bias saying you know starting from the point that god might be perfect mm-hmm. um so is that assumption itself wrong or is god perfect in god's absence you know, you know i i think of um i do think of god as being perfect and and i think of nature um i i think of the synchronicity the patterns the order of nature and i think that reveals a great deal about god god's perfection i mean certainly there will be in nature sometimes there's destruction Mm -hmm. and there's disaster um and and then it writes itself i I remember talking to a a old forest service guy uh who's a great guy and 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 he said um there's always a, a uh, what, how do you put? It? There's always a harvest of wood, and sometimes that harvest is done by loggers, you know, every mm-hmm. seventy-five years or hundred years, and sometimes that's done by nature, mm-hmm. bark beetles and, and fire and different things like that. But there's always that that renewal. The trouble with us as as human beings is we just have such a short time span, a short view of history. Mm-hmm. That that sometimes I don't think we see the perfection. You know that there's a great story in the Bible that's I always say it's not told very well. It's the story of Job, uh-huh. and 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 if we notice in that story, Job lives to God, how many years? I mean, hundred, whatever, a couple hundred, whatever. And it it illustrates that thing of with time maybe we see it, but with our short frame of mind, we don't very well. The book of Job, which has been mentioned before on this show, is is fascinating for me because I always end the book feeling completely unsettled um, that and and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but I I guess I I think we're allowed to spoil the book of Job if people haven't read it, Um, that at the very beginning of the book, we have a totally righteous man who is um, put through some trials by the opposing angel. And his whole family dies, um, amongst other things, amongst losing his property and his crops and his health and so on. And then it all comes back at the end and he has a new family and, and, and he's very happy with that. And, and that, I guess that, that reminds me of the harvest of the wood, you know, that the wood keeps coming back. But it's not the same wood and it's not the same tree and it's not the same animal. And, and, and it's lovely to take a, a long view of life on earth. But in the moment itself, it can be particularly cruel, mm-hmm. um, which challenges the idea of, um, of perfection, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. it? It does. It does. I, um, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the fairy tale. You know, it's not the happily ever after story that and that we want him to be the job story is it it actually is a fairy tale and that it it does end happily ever after right but but then you go back to the cruelty your the moments of losing family or the moments of devastation the moments of whatever uh yeah you're, you're so is this where is this where being a pastoral minister comes in in the sense of do people have a fairy tale image of god um, that God, or do, do many people, I shouldn't say people, do many people have a, a, a fairy tale image of God that we, that God is the person or the being or 
however we understand God, um, as who is there for us whenever we want. They're on call almost, that we can almost magically summon to help make life better. Um, it, are, are part of people's challenges that God isn't that that God isn't that much of a fairy tale? I, you know, I think that's, that's looking at, often I think we do, we look at God as a fairy tale. I think we look at God as magic. Uh, the, the, and, and, and this is the, so those are the, you know, the, I want to say superficial approaches to, to God and the mystery and all that stuff. And, uh, and it's attractive, you know, that, 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 Fairy tale image is attractive, and and we're drawn to it, but ultimately, it's I think it's less satisfying, and and that's the the challenge of of faith and religions and 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 uh, uh, faith traditions is is let's give people some really some good meat rather than the snacks that just don't last. Um, I think that's a lovely way to let's pause on that for a moment. We're going to take a break. And afterwards, I want to come back and really explore these superficial approaches to the mystery and and how do we move beyond them. So we're listening to KSFR uh, with uh, Rabbi Neil Amswich, uh, listening to our show Soul Searching. And today's guest is Don Chavez from the Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates in Santa Fe. You're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and Don Chavez, my guest from the Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates in Santa Fe. And we've been uh, having a, an extraordinary discussion about God and God, what does God talk mean and, and uh, what does God mean in terms of God's perfection or not. And and before we took a break, you, you mentioned the superficial approaches to mystery that people can often pick up on and and how they are snacks as opposed to the real meat, as you said, the real substance. But isn't the difficulty when we talk about God, that God is so other, God is so different to us, that it's impossible to know what is snack and what is meat, isn't it? Well, um, the, the great faith traditions, the great religions consistently do some of the same things. They consistently promote some of the great things, some of the same things. And for example, um, meditation Mm -hmm. or fasting or um, many others, uh, they, that's the hard work. And, and, um, and, and those who have been doing this spiritual journey for a long time they say they know they they say oh it's hard work it's it's hard when god disappears it's hard when god hides his face it's hard when when we um are dealing with the 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 absence and the hard the the difficult the tragic um and yet we're challenged to to continue on in that and not lose hope I guess that that's a piece hope it's a, a big word uh, um, and, and important in this whole discussion is that's what we need to keep on going, to keep on doing the hard work and keep on uh, being faithful to whoever we need to be faithful to. Is that, so that this is 
is this hope in God as opposed to hope in humanity? Are they are, are those two different things or are they the same thing? Because sometimes when we look at the news, it can be very hard to have hope in humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so are, are we talking specifically about hope in God, in which case... Does that take us away from hope within the human realm? Well, if we if we hope that God magically fixes things, mm-hmm. then that's the superficial. Right. If if the hope is that that we keep on striving as humanity to do good and to take care of the weak and take care of the the, the less fortunate and 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 take care of nature and and take care of our pets, you know, then that's, I think that's, that's more uh, profound. Do we need God for that? In the sense that, I mean, one of the very positive things that people talk about religion is that even from thousands of years ago, it's, it's taken, it can take, I should say, some of the best elements of humanity and say, mm-hmm. here are the good things. You know, the central verse of the central chapter of the central book of, of Torah, kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself. And all of these very positive aspects can be, can be um, essential for the growth of humanity. But do we need God for that? You know, I, I think that probably some don't. You know, those, those agnostics or... or those who who don't need that organized ritual and and all you know they they probably don't humanists you know maybe they don't um i'm not that strong and and so so i do need all these trappings around me to keep me together um um so that's a, that's a fascinating way to look at ritual as as trappings that help hold you together um, can you can you expand on that a little? I mean, I don't want to go too much into your own personal ritual mm-hmm. life, but at the same time, very often when we hear members of clergy talking about ritual, it's these are the things that you must do. Um, and but you're talking about ritual in a very different um, personal sense, and I wonder if you can expand on that. Sure, sure. Um, one of the things that I find when when I find it most powerful is is um, when we're doing the rituals around funerals, mm-hmm. around death, it gives us security that this is what we do. These are the prayers we say. These are the words that we say. These are, you know, these are the things that we do. So, so for Roman Catholics in northern New Mexico, there's uh, the whatever, the, the taking care of the business, taking care of the body and, and all of that and the the washing and all, and all of that the beautiful can be beautiful rituals sometimes practice less now than than they used to be um but they still can be um uh, people can still take the clothes to the funeral home and mm-hmm. and and pre- help prepare mm-hmm. there's the the uh, uh in roman catholic catholic they, they do the service before the service and sometimes that's kind of the rosary and and it's the gathering of people mm-hmm. you know the night before maybe who who cannot attend the services the next day oh, uh, because they're at their jobs but they get to go and they get to connect with the family and they get to give their love and they share a cup of coffee and eat a stale pastry and and <laughs> and they do that and then there's the the 
the the funeral ritual, the mass, the 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 burial, the prayers, the that stuff. There's the eating afterwards, mm-hmm. um, and and those those things, those different steps, give people. Um, they give them a, a place to walk to. They give them a, pl- a things to do to get through. And and then and after it's all through, it's like okay, we're in a different place now. Right. So for you, th- these rituals are steps that hold us within transition. Mm-hmm. So, but then what does that mean uh, for regular weekday rituals, or, or um, if one it goes to church or synagogue or or, or somewhere on. Uh, on a particular festival um, or just on a weekly case, what does that mean to, to be going through the same ritual again? What, it, it, orient, it orients us. So, so and, and sometimes we need to be reoriented. So I miss church for a while. And then I go back and I say, oh, this feels good. Oh, uh, yeah, I need this. Right. Uh, it, it, it's like a reset button for us. Especially if, if we've been in that mode for much of our life. And sometimes we need that reset button. One of the things that I, that I ask people regarding, um, I'll ask them about their faith history mm-hmm. it, when they come to, to do counseling. Um, and I want to know not just what, what, if they're doing something now, but where they came from. And it's sometimes it's it's easy nowadays that we say, "Oh, I used to do this, and now I do this," and and I'm divorced from that. Mm-hmm. That's easier said than done, um, because sometimes we need to we need to sometimes confront mm-hmm. the, the the old stuff. Um, sometimes we need to see when when it when it isn't consistent. You know, when when there's a, a a break between what we really believe in our heart of hearts and what we were taught. Right. And I, I, I do wonder, talking about the, the development of our rituals or our, our ritual history, how when we are brought up with rituals as children, they mean very different things to us because we understand metaphor differently. We mm-hmm. understand what these things represent differently. So I guess for the, the last part of our show, I, I'm hoping to explore the, that role of metaphor in religion today and, and what, do the, what do our metaphors stand for and what does it mean for us when our metaphors change? Um, how, does our, how does our religion catch up? So I guess the, the first question is, is for you, what is that role of metaphor in religion today? want to say ask that differently <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but, um, well but, let, let me ask since we're talking about god no uh, that's a very fair response because uh, that was a, a, a huge question since we've been talking about god is god language itself metaphorical or is god language actually descriptive i i think it has to be metaphorical because because um it, it cannot be it cannot be overly structured or, you know, it, it just, it needs freedom. And, and so, I mean, I've never been a big, I've never been a big fan of poetry. However, poetry 
says things in different ways that 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 we just hear it differently. It's got it's got its own sound mm-hmm. that is appropriate for the God language. That's why the Psalms are great, mm-hmm. and, and some of the poets, some of the the sacred scriptures are 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 done in that way. Um, so metaphor is is critical. Uh, Music, you know, that's that's another way. It, it it affects us in a different way, and 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 we and God needs that kind of movement. Um, I I don't I don't think when religion kind of goes to texts, to textbooks, or or you know, it um, it does God a disservice in in being too structured or too limited. So the great again the great faiths, mm-hmm. the faith traditions. They have volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes in different ways, in different kinds of language uh, that allows that movement because, um, because God cannot be defined too strictly, too narrowly. But you and I come from faith traditions where that are based on text that have the Bible as a central sure. tenet. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for us um, if – if we should be almost liberating ourselves from from text, uh, so is the Bible itself? Is that metaphor? Is it historical? Um, what what should we be doing then with with something like the Bible? I, I think we should be. Yes, it is, and 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 we should be respecting the sacred scriptures by saying, "Boy, there's a lot of there's a lot there, and there's different stuff there." So the historical, um, you know. The, the books that talk about the stories, the historical stories, the the battles and the the events and whatever, that that's that's important. That's good. Uh, the 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 inspirational pieces are very very different and need to be different. Um, uh, the 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 great okay, I'm gonna say the bad word uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Genesis, mm-hmm. tremendous. Um, that that's those those tales are so important. They are so revealing. They're so so truthful. Uh, but we have to read that differently than we re- read Leviticus. So when you say, I mean, I would agree with you that the narratives of Genesis are truthful. But I just want to clarify in. Um, for me, not truthful historically, but truthful in terms of relationships mm-hmm. of people. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yes. Because uh, um, the way that human beings function in the book of Genesis, particularly the, the family breakdowns that happen, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think is very real and very truthful, mm-hmm. but different to truthful in the sense that the world was created in six days. I think that's mm-hmm. a different kind of truthful. Would that be mm-hmm. fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when uh, when I was a child, um, I cornered my mom and 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 said, "Well, who did who did Adam and Eve's children marry?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and she said, "Well, I um, I um, well, I guess they had to marry each other for a while, and I said, "But that's wrong." That's interesting, <laughs> you know. So, so even children know right. there are some things that just uh, don't fit in that, and that's okay. 
Right, because it's telling us a, a different kind of truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has been a, a wonderful conversation, and I, I really want to thank you. Um, so uh, you've been listening to Soul Searching on KSFR, and, and thank you particularly to our guest this evening, Don Chavez, from the Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates in Santa Fe. Um, your answers have been profound, and I really do hope that you'll be able to return soon to share more of your insights. So thank you for being thank here. Thank you. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching. <laughs>